Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Okay, chapter one. You guys recall chapter one? Talks about the conflict within, right? We should be walking in peace with Jesus. That should be a normal reality for us every single day. It's available to us every single day. It's just a matter of choosing to walk in peace with God or not. All true conflict starts in the heart. All true conflict starts in the heart. And so we need the peace of Jesus uh, that he has made available to us for free. Right? This is the gospel. Remember every single, not every single letter, almost every letter in the New Testament. Uh, the Kate. Cadence, come on, girl, I'm trying to teach here. <laughs> Almost every single letter in the New Testament, the writer says, grace and peace to you from who? God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the Father is speaking grace and peace to you and I every single morning. Totally free. We didn't do anything to deserve it. Uh, chapter two, last week we talked about facing your brother or sister. Yeah. Right? You got any issues or struggles with your brother or sister, you go to them. You work it out with them. One of the things I just want to re, to re highlight from last week if someone comes to you and tells you that Johnny is offended with you and he's hurt by you, but Johnny doesn't want to come and talk to you. What do you do with that? Right? Because you can't really, I mean, you, you could, unless the person who came to you gave you permission to, to blow his spot. But I would say the person who Johnny spoke with and who came to you, he's the peacemaker. He needs to hold Johnny's feet to the fire and say, Johnny, you need to go talk to Brandon. You need to go talk to him. Again, encourage him, admonish him. Say, hey, man, the word says if you're, if you're upset, offended, go to your brother or sister. Don't just let it dangle out there, hang around. It's going to get worse. So facing your brother or sister was last week. And then this week, facing leadership. You see, I got our little. Makes you nervous. Some of y'all sweating right now. Oh, goodness. Help us, Lord. All right, Father, we thank you for your leadership. We thank you for your word. And I pray that we as your people and all of your people, God, all across the world, I pray that we would come under the authority of your word, that we would obey all of your commandments, that you would help us, God. You would give us grace to be able to work through conflict that you would equip us with the tools so that we would be a church that's prepared and equipped and ready for whatever may come against us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I, I, a lot of this I wanna speak on behalf of Dave and Barry, myself. As a leadership team here, we are asking you, we are pleading with you if you have a struggle, an issue, an offense, anything, 
towards us, we are asking you guys to come to us. Does that make sense? Right? If you are confused, if you're upset, if you're offended, we did something to hurt you, to offend you, we are asking you to come to us. And I promise you, we're not going to throw you out the church. We're not going to blow up and just say you're, you're, you're lying and not listen to anything you're saying. We want to have the conversation with you. All of this church hopping, going here and there, and calling it, some, calling it church hurt, but never having talked to the leadership about it. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if that's church hurt. Because you never followed Matthew 18. It could have been resolved. But instead, we're a little hurt, we're a little offended, all of that stuff. So from the get-go, our heart for this church, this community, right? We can't control other leaders. We can't control other churches and how they do this stuff. But we want you to know how we handle conflict here. We want you to come to us. That opening paragraph says that here's, here's what Paul the Apostle says, 1 Thessalonians, and also in 2 Corinthians 2. This is Paul's heart, and this should be the heart of leadership, of church leadership. I believe this is our heart here. Paul says this. And actually, you know what? I'm going to, if you have your Bible with you, go to 1 Thessalonians. There's a couple of verses before this I want us to read. Look at verse 17. Notice this language. You know, when I read Paul's letter as an apostle, his language, to me, if I'm being honest with you, sounds nothing like the, the apostles of today. You don't hear them say these type of things. He says this, but we, brethren, this is First Thessalonians 2, verse 17, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, but not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. In other words, we've been separated for a period of time. We have a desire, a longing just to see you. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. That's powerful language. Honestly, when I first read this years ago, I thought he was talking about Jesus. I thought he was saying, Jesus, you are my glory and my joy. I was like, oh, that's good. And you read it again, he's like, no, no, he's not talking to Jesus. He's talking to the people of God. And do we think he's lying here? Is he fabricating? No, he had a love for the people of God. That you are my glory, my crown of rejoicing. And then back in the booklet here, 2 Corinthians 2. Paul says, I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? What's he saying? 
He's like, I'm coming to you. I do have to bring some correction, but it's difficult because when I make you sad, I'm sad. And I want to come and rejoice in, about your life, but I can't because I have to come to you with a little bit of correction. And he goes on to say, for out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. Not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. This should be the heart of church leadership. If you are under church leadership and this is not their heart for you, pray for them. If you hear a lot of this fivefold ministry talk, it's, to me there's too much of that going on. If you are submitted or whatever to some apostle or prophet and this is not their language, I would take issue with that. In other words, Paul's saying, my ministry is not about me. It's about how can I serve you, love you, encourage you, build you up, all of those things. That's, that's our heart here at Hadafim for this community. So next section here, leaders are not the principal, the boss or police officer. I think some of us, when we look at church leadership, we see them as, oh, that's the principal's office. Oh, that's the boss, the CEO. We just got to do what he says and shut up and not say anything. Or he's the police officer. Anytime I do something wrong, they're going to come and just guns ablaze. Okay, I don't see that in scripture. There are times where, yeah, church leadership, they have to do some things that may seem like they are a police officer, a boss, or a principal. But that's not the heart they have. There's love, there's care, there's grace. Let's read a little bit more, okay? So what, here's the question, what title best describes godly leadership? Let's read this, 1 Thessalonians 2. Paul says, but we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or, for, or from others, when we, made, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. What Paul is saying is saying God is the center of our ministry. We do what he wants us to do. But when you do what God wants you to do, it leads you into the next statements here. He says, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor, our toil for laboring night and day, that we not, might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. 
Notice this language. He says, we're like a mother, a nursing mother among the people of God. We cherish. You're dear to us. We want to, as leaders, impart our very, not just the gospel to you, but our lives to you. So what's that look like? You know, one of the qualifications for, for being an elder, and I would say leadership altogether, is that in, in Titus it says you need to be hospitable. In other words, I can't impart my life to you if I never see you outside of these walls. I mean, I can share the word, I can preach the gospel, I can do all that stuff, but how do I let you see what's on the inside of me? I invite you to my home. Now, we gotta work out some details because if you got a large church, you know, obviously we can't meet with everyone and get with everyone, but Barry has said this before, if you come to us and say, hey, let's get dinner, let's have a meal, our answer is always yes. We just gotta work out some of the dynamics. But one of the reasons leaders don't want to be hospitable is because there's this celebrity Christianity thing where I can't let you see on the inside of me because when you start becoming more familiar with me, you might dishonor me and you might see me simply as a human being. Instead of you seeing me as the anointed man of God who's spiritual all the time. You guys need to come to my house and see me. Aaron Johnson called me out. When I'm ready for you to leave, I put my glasses on. I start cutting off lights and doing all this stuff. You know why? Because, guys, I get tired. I'm, I'm normal. I'm a human. I mean, there's really nothing really great about me or any other leader. They should be hospitable. Have you come in? My house gets messy. Stuff happens. Stuff breaks. I get a bad attitude. But this thing about leaders who they never let you in on the inside, it's because they want you to see them higher than you. To me, that's not okay. Paul is saying, I imparted my own life to you. Not, I just didn't preach to you and tell you what to do. And then I'll see you later. No, I was like sitting with you having coffee. We were hanging out. We played some games. We laughed together. I got vulnerable with you. You got vulnerable with me. That should be the heart of true leadership. Other common titles. Okay. We're all caught up on the fivefold ministry. That's great. There is a place for that. Right? But, gosh, there are so many other names for leaders. Number one, fellow workers. This is Paul's language. He says, I'm a fellow worker. You're a worker. I'm a fellow worker with you. Number two, I'm your bondservant. He didn't say, you're my bondservant. I'm your bondservant. Number three, Paul says, I'm a servant to all. He didn't say, I'm a leader to all. Some of us got to get the stars out of our eyes when it comes to these leaders that we're just like, wow, they're just so amazing. No, they're not so amazing. We honor them and we want to honor people. We want to honor, there's a, there's a place for that, absolutely. But in America, we just get so bedazzled with this stuff. Number four, he says, I'm a minister. 
Number five, servants of Christ. And number six, an example to the flock. Okay, so hopefully that describes to you guys briefly what the heart of true leadership, eldership, deacons, staff should be. If that's not the heart, then there, there's an issue there. We want to help that person. We want to heal. We want restoration. All of those things. Next section. Along with the tender heart that leadership the leadership team should have, there, there does come authority. Spiritual authority is real. Jesus Christ has delegated authority to leadership. In other words, he says, I'm giving you my authority. Represent me, my heart, and my word. Go forth, do it. So a couple things. The elders, leadership, has been given authority to do. Number one, to instruct or to teach. Right? Leadership has the authority to teach the word. To correct. The leadership team has been given authority to correct you. Is that okay? Publicly, like in this kind of setting, not calling you out by name individually in this setting, but as I'm preaching, you may get corrected. Privately, is that okay? Number three, rebuke. If you're doing something wrong, leaders can rebuke you. Number four, discipline. Number five, reject, or a better word would be warn. In Titus chapter three, says to reject or warn a divisive man one time, two times, and on the third time, expel him. Leadership has to do that, which is number six. We expel people from communities who are not living in a Christ-like manner, who are not repenting. These are some of the things leadership has to do. They shouldn't do it because they're so excited to do it and just love you know, telling people what to do and kicking people out. They should do it because the Lord is telling them to do it. Because people are not following Jesus. They're not repenting. And so they have to do the hard stuff. How should elders go about this? They should always go about this according to the word. So in other words, if an elder comes to you or some leader and they try to correct you and rebuke you, and you don't see this in your Bible. You don't see, according to your word, that you are doing anything wrong. Then you should challenge them. It should be according to the word, right? The word of God has the highest authority in the church. Not the eldership team. If the elders or leadership team is not coming under the authority of the word, there's an issue. It's the word. So that means you have a part to play in making sure things stay biblical in here. 
Number two, with great love and a desire for restoration. Number three, with great zeal for the Lord's house. Number four, with great patience. I think patience is absolutely necessary for being a leader. I know for me early on, I always thought, hey, we're moving too slow. Let's go faster. What's going on? Like, let's forget them. But I've learned over the years, the father, he is very patient. And he desires for everyone to have a seat at the table. He's willing to say, hey, I know dinner's ready. The, the, the table is set. But where's Johnny? Somebody go get him. We're not going to have dinner until he's here. We need the whole family together. I know you're hungry. Be patient. It's worth getting him to come to the table. So leaders have to show patience. And then number five, leaders do these things privately first, if necessary, publicly. I will say this, and I try my best to use some discretion, but if we're in a public gathering, a public meeting, and someone is doing something or wants to say something in a public manner and it's not okay, well, they've just opened themselves up to being corrected publicly. Right? Holding a microphone, speaking among people publicly, you open the door to, if you are just way out there and it's inappropriate or way off, you've opened the door for the leadership team to correct you publicly not to humiliate and shame and all that, but for the sake of the flock and so there's no confusion and distractions and all that stuff going on. I will say that's probably going to be a rare instance. So if you come up here and you get the mic and you say something, you, you share some words of encouragement and you, you say something wrong or it's not biblical, we're most likely not going to come on the mic and rebuke you right then and there. Okay? We'll probably... Hey, off to the side. Hey, you know, you shared what you shared was great. It was awesome. Uh, loved it. You know, let me point something out to you. This little thing you said, let me show you what the word says. Does that make sense? So we don't want to have this, this atmosphere of fear where it's like, oh my gosh, if I say one thing wrong, I'm in trouble. No, you can say some stuff that's, that's going to be wrong sometimes. I do it. Dave does it. Barry does it. It happens, right? But there is a measuring, is it just, you know, a simple error or is it drastic and like way out there crazy kind of error? Does that make sense? So next page, godly authority in the church has been set up by Jesus. Anyone who dishonors, rebels, or ignores the authority of godly leadership in the church is actively dishonoring, rebelling, or ignoring the authority and leadership of Jesus. This kind of behavior grieves the heart of true elders, not because of their reputation, but because of that person's current standing with God. I'm not saying that they now have walked away from God and lost their salvation, but God has an issue with people dishonoring, disrespecting leadership. He does, because it's a reflection of his leadership in your life. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey those who rule well over you. 
and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So I wanted to make an exchange here, right? So a lot of us, we see leadership conversations like this. Okay, well, can I tell you, it's not really like that. I tricked you. Here's, here's what it looks like. Okay, this chair, there's only one on the throne. Okay, okay, it's only one. He has that chair. This is, this is what our chairs look like. And if there's any struggles or issues, you know what? Guess who's going to come rolling in? Let me come in here and see what. Right? We bow to him in his throne alone. Not to, we don't bow to pastors and leaders. We honor them. We submit to their leadership. But he's on the throne, okay? You guys doing okay? Y'all nervous? Anybody struggling? I'll say this. If anyone feels called to leadership, you should go read Luke chapter 12. If you, you say, hey, I feel called to be an elder, got a five-fold gift on my life, want to be a deacon, want to you know, be on leadership. <clears throat> let's, actually, let's do it. Let's read Luke 12. This is powerful. It's powerful, and I will say also, this helps me, when I read this passage, this helps me to lead well. This helps me to focus as a leader, having influence in people's lives. This keeps me in line a lot. So, Jesus, verse 41, he told him a parable, and Peter says, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? The answer is yes, I'm speaking to you, disciples, and I'm speaking to everyone else. So this isn't even for just leadership, but for me, I keep this in my mind. The Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make him ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Praise God. That's awesome. That's a faithful steward. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk. In other words, this leader is mistreating people abusing people, hurting people, and not only are they doing that, they're making everything about themselves. I'm feeding myself, I'm helping myself with everything, you're serving me, I'm not serving you, we don't do that here. I'm taking advantage of you, manipulating you, controlling, I'm doing all those things wrong. Verse 46, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him. And at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. That's 
That's sobering. So when you think about leaders who maybe have hurt you and you know they're hurting a lot of other people, can I tell you, Jesus does not take that lightly. He will not, on that day, take it lightly. He will get revenge on leaders who mistreat, intentionally mistreat. I'm not talking about I made a mistake and I hurt you and it happened one time, maybe a couple of times. Intentionally hurting people, controlling, manipulating. And we're, we're like, Lord, how could you let them be a leader? Like, God, take them out now. And the Lord is letting them lead. And there's a thousand people at their church. And you're like, why? That doesn't make sense. Like, what the heck? Can I tell you, on that day when Jesus returns, that brother, that leader, it's not going to be well for them. And so, for me, I read this passage. This keeps me in line. This keeps me in check. How leaders treat people matters. It is a big deal. But can I remind you, Peter asked a great, great question. Lord, is this parable for us disciples, us apostles, us leaders, or is it for everyone? It's for everyone. How you treat people, how you treat leaders really matters. And he goes on to say, and the servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do accordingly to his will shall be beaten with many times. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few for everyone to whom much is given from him much will be required and to whom much has been committed of him they will ask the more. That's heavy. Okay, I need some help passing out this uh, sheet here. Got a couple guys. There's this one, and I think I got one. Okay, if you um, if you're a couple in here, if you could share one, that'd be great. Okay, so I want to talk about, this is something, uh, if you're new here, you will, and you go through the new member classes, you're going to get, you're going to see this, but for, I think for some of you, it's been, you've been here for a while, so this is something we've in, implemented uh, probably maybe earlier this year or late last year. Turn to the side, it says what we expect from Hadafin members, okay? So as a leadership team, we felt it necessary to communicate to people who feel called to be here, who want to come to this church. We just from the out front wanted to communicate to them what we expect from them, right? Expectation is every, there's a lot of expectations, right? Leaders have expectations, you have expectations towards leaders. 
So we thought, you know, let's just put this out there from the get-go. We're not going to go in-depth to this, but if someone wants to be a, be a member of Hot FM, well, we expect them to be a believer, right? Producing the fruit of a new life in Christ, right? If you're not a believer, you, you're, you can't be a part of the body of Christ. That just doesn't work that way. Number two, we expect members to help build the body. Part of building the body is if your brother or sister hurts you, you go to them, right? You work out conflict. Uh, number three, bring your supply. There's a, gifting of, there's a gift of grace on you. We want you to release your supply into the body of Christ here. Number four, we would expect you to, love, uh, to serve, to serve in love, okay? Help in kids' ministry, help with this, help with that, food distribution, whatever it is. We, we expect that you love Jesus. Well, he's a servant. Come and serve here. There's a lot of things that, uh, a lot of areas you can serve in, things like that. And number five, we expect financial support. We're not putting a specific number on that. Um, you, you give as the Lord leads you, but we would expect that as a leadership team. Go on the other side. This is something that you can expect from the leadership team here. Personal meetings with us. Okay? You know what that looks like? It looks like this right here. Get a little closer. Personal meetings. We want to sit down with you, get to know you, build a relationship with you. Do all of those things. And I'll, I'll say this. Don't, don't not come to us because you're thinking, oh, they're busy. Oh, they're busy. Oh, they're busy. Can I tell you, we're busy and you're busy. Aren't we all busy? Okay, so that's not a good reason. Don't say you're busy. We're all busy. Here, here's the truth, though. We're limited. Like, I'm limited as a leader. So if you feel like I'm avoiding you or I never get with you, it's not because I don't want to. It's just that I'm limited. I don't have all the time in the world. With three young kids, I'm limited. Dave, he's not limited. He, Dave's got all the time. You know what? <laughs> so go, go hang out with Dave. Problem solved. Number two, you can expect from us biblical counseling and prayer. You, if you're struggling, come to us. Man, I didn't pray for me. I, we would love to. Come tell us. I mean, sometimes we pick up on things and sometimes we just don't. Number three, we're here to help with conflict resolution. Number four, you can expect help with benevolence and practical needs that you have in your life. If you're a member here, we have a benevolence uh, ministry that's willing to support financially, help with practical things like that. That's available to you. If you find yourself struggling financially, come let us know. Number five, we're here to answer questions or concerns that you have, whether if we're teaching something and you're like, oh, what is that? Which we'll get to here in a minute, but we expect you uh, to come uh, or, or there's an expectation that we would talk with you about those things and number six what you can expect from us this is important so we are called to keep watch over your souls is it okay with you if we feel like something is off we're sensing something or we notice you just you're acting different you're kind of acting funny is it okay with you if we approach you 
Okay, mostly everyone is shaking their heads, but I'm telling you, if we come to you and do that, are you going to blow up and then leave the church and then just be all upset about all this stuff? Now we're gonna come to you, right? If you flip back to page 12 with the heart of Christ, right? As a father, as a mother, we're gonna come. We're not gonna come accusing you and telling you you did this wrong. We're gonna have some questions for you. Say, hey, I'm concerned for you. I'm concerned for your marriage. I'm concerned for your children. Can we do that? Maybe y'all need to pray about that. I got my list right here. I got some people. No, I'm sure. But I'm telling you, I, I, I want to be able to do that and not be like, man, I just hope they, they just don't like uh, start manifesting the flesh, right? Was it page three or four, right? The works of the flesh. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't like awkward stuff. I know people think I do. I don't, I'm not like a big fan of awkward. But if, if, I, if I have a concern in my heart for you, look, I want to be able to come to you. If a deacon here has concern for you, can our deacons come to you? Can the staff come to you? Is that, like, is that really okay? So there's that, you guys can keep that. Let's hit this next part, okay? So we talked about the heart of leadership. We talked about the authority of leadership. It's really important to talk about the authority of the believer, okay? Because usually when we talk, think about leadership stuff, we always think worst case, the leadership's horrible, they're evil. We, we have these pictures in our mind uh, about leadership, and we sometimes forfeit the authority Christ has given to believers because we think we just need to sit down, shut up, deal with it, that's it. Okay, that's not, that's not Jesus. He hasn't given you authority to sit down and shut up. He's given you authority to be a part of the body, to contribute, to build relationship with leaders, to build relationship with the whole body, and to participate. So, I want to talk about the authority God has given you and what you are to do with that. But before we hit those seven uh, points right there, I want to say this. I thought about this, 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 um, this morning, I wrote this down. I want to talk about real quick the authority that God has not given you. Okay? So no matter what has happened to you, God has not given you the authority to gossip and slander leaders. God has not given you the authority to criticize and be nitpicky with leaders. God has not given you the authority to spread rumors about leaders. God has not given you the authority to undermine or usurp authority of the leaders. God has not given you the authority to publicly correct or rebuke leaders without having talked with them. For example, if, if you go to, to men's ministry and you're like, hey, so yeah, Brandon talked on last Sunday, but let me tell you, he was totally wrong on this one issue. And you never talked with me. It's really easy to tell everyone that without me being there. Instead, what's really difficult, it takes maturity to come to me and say, Brandon, what you said on Sunday was yada, yada, yada. 
We can work it out. And then you can go to men's ministry and say, hey, guys, you know what? I had a conversation with Brandon. Uh, we, we agree to disagree. I absolutely love him. Great. Like, everything's fine. Like, it's a good relationship. But I got a different perspective on this. And I want to share mine, and I'll tell you his. And that's great. You can do that. But to go around and, uh, oh, social media, to go around and just start, like, blasting leaders, and you've never talked to them. Guys, that is so immature. Talk to them. Reach out to them. Number six, all right, no matter what's happened to you, God has not given you the authority to go from church to church playing the victim. He's not giving you the authority to do that, okay? I know there are times where leaders do things to people, and it is seriously out of line. Absolutely out of line. It needs to be dealt with. There are situations where you have to get the authorities, the police officers, lawyers involved. There's times where that's necessary. And at the same time, it doesn't give you the right to go from church to church to church to church and just verbal vomiting all of this stuff. Okay, you know what needs to happen? You need to get healing. You need to get help. Okay, it's okay to share with a couple safe people, but all of this running around from church to church doing this stuff, it's not okay. And the last one, okay, no matter what's happened to you, you God's not giving you the authority to call a leader a wolf or a false teacher without having proof. Okay, you heard a bad sermon, Brandon's a wolf. False teacher, really bad sermon. Okay, don't do that. Pastors and leaders are going to have bad sermons. They're going to have mess-ups and failures. It's, it's going to happen. If it's consistent, okay, yeah, we need to talk about that. If it's like out of the blue, every once in a while, like, that's a little different, okay? But if you're going to call a leader, a pastor, a wolf or a false teacher, please bring me the proof. Let me see some things. Okay, so that was my little sticky note. If y'all want a copy of that, you can just, you can get that. But let's talk about the authority that God has given you in this believer leadership relationship. I didn't write this one down. You should put this as number eight. It should be number one. Pray for them. God's given you authority to pray for leaders. I mean, think about it. God put me up here, and you're going to see my flaws. You're going to see my messy side a little bit. You're going to see areas in me, Brandon, and you're going to be like, God made him a leader? Oh, he, he didn't know that verse? Really? Easy. You're going to see that stuff in me. Can you guys please pray for me? Like, seriously, pray. Like, Brandon, Lord, give him the spirit of wisdom. and Help this man. He's losing. Help him, Lord. Get him, Lord. Pray. God's given you authority to pray for leaders. Number, so now number one. He's given you authority to ask questions with sincerity. I love questions. Come, ask us questions. If you're not, if you're misunderstanding something, you feel confused, ask the question. 
It's great. It's a wonderful thing. Number two, share honest thoughts and feelings. There are times where you may not have to get in some big theological debate about what the, what the pastor leader said. Sometimes you just need to share your heart. Like, hey, like I, I, get, I heard what you said, pastor, but like, man, I just, something feels off. Something doesn't seem right. Like, I'm just trying to share my thoughts with you. Um, there are times in, in conflict, you're sitting down with the leader and you may say, hey, like I hear, I'm just thinking this thing right now. Can I tell you what I'm thinking? Do that. Put your thoughts out there on the table. Uh, number three, you have been given authority to disagree. You can disagree with something the leader is saying, right, as long as you are endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In the next chapter, we're really going to hit this whole disagreeing thing. We're going to talk about doctrinal differences. That's going to be a really fun one. But know that you don't have to swallow hook, line, and sinker everything a leader says. Mike Bickle says this, and I love it. He says, if, you, if, if I'm preaching something and you can't see it in your Bible with your own eyes, you don't have to believe me. You can say, oh, I disagree with that. I don't see that. that. That verse does not say that. You can do that. And you know you can do that and you can still walk in the fruit of the Spirit? You don't have to, I'm leaving that church. There's no good churches in Lakeland. All the churches, they suck everywhere. No, you just say, hey, I don't see that. You get to go to number one, you get to go to ask questions. Hey, pastor, you said this or that. Have the conversation. That would be great. Number four, you can refuse to submit to leaders. If they're asking you to do something that's not biblical, it's ungodly, doesn't represent Christ well, don't submit to it. Say no. If I ask you to give me all your money, like right now, give me a check, follow us to your bank account. I hope, I hope some of you would not do that. You would, I hope you would say no. Brandon, what's going on here? Say no. Don't be so gullible just to be like, okay, yeah, sure. Even if I say, hey, God told me, God told me, Shane, you're supposed to write me a check for $100,000, but right now, I know you got it. Guys, that's spiritual manipulation. Don't fall for that stuff. Stop doing that. You can say no. Number five. You can remove yourself from underneath. In other words, you can, you know what, I'm, I can't be at this church anymore. I can't be under this leadership. It's toxic. It's controlling, etc., etc. You can make a departure. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. But nonetheless, you've been given authority to, to do that. You don't have to stay in, a, in an abusive relationship. You're not called to sit here and just get abused and abused and abused and abused and say, well, I'm just being humble and just, just submitting and just, you know. No, I would say you're probably avoiding. You're probably stuffing. 
And if it's happening to you, it's probably happening to others. So that leader really needs some, somebody to come to them and, and tell them no. You can absolutely do that. <clears throat> Number six, and notice how as we're progressing down, it's, it's getting more confrontational. So number six, you've been given the authority to challenge leadership with humility. You can challenge them. If there's a teaching and you don't agree with it and you have a different perspective or a viewpoint, you can challenge the hey, hey, pastor, like, look at it. Can you look at it from this way? And you may be right. And we'll hit more of that next week. And the last one. You've been given the authority to confront in love. If you see sin, if you see error, God's given you the authority to confront, to have the conversation, to do that. And guys, here's the thing. When you do that, you can do that and still walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You don't have to forsake abiding in Christ. This whole mindset, like, okay, I go into a meeting, I gotta just show that I'm really angry because I'm already intimidated by the pastor, so I gotta really puff myself up. No, you can still love, you can still be gentle, and you can still say no, and you can hold your ground. You can do it. You need to do it. We, as a leadership team, we want you to do that. That's good. That's healthy. Okay, so how do you handle conflict with a leader? How exactly do you do it? Well, you follow Matthew 18. Isn't that like super revelatory? Like, wow. Ooh. Yeah, you follow Matthew 18. Look on page 15. Number one, this is all last week. You go to the pastor. Remember, God has not given you the authority to just sit there and gossip and slander and get nitpicky. He's given you the authority to go to them, have the conversation. And remember, go to them alone, just one-on-one. And do it. Number two. If the pastor is not repenting or doesn't see and there's still coming, bring a witness, two or three witnesses with you. I think it would be better to bring someone who maybe is a part of the leadership team, who maybe is a deacon here or even one of the elders. If you're meeting with, say, you got an issue with me, I don't mind if you bring Dave. I don't mind if you bring uh, father-in-law, Pops Cliff. I don't mind. Bring whoever, honestly, whoever you're comfortable with. That's okay. If I still don't repent, then it gets to a point where leadership has to take action. Does that make sense? Okay, so what are we going to do if you have conflict with me? You're going you're gonna, to, for real, you're going to come to me? You're going to text me, call me? You know, get to call the office, however, get a hold of me, something, and come to me. You're going to do it for real? I've had people do it before. And I love it. It's great. Honestly, because I know how much courage it takes to do that. So the first thing I always say is, thank you for coming to me. Like, this is great. 
Okay, I want to pass out another handout. Okay, this is a half sheet of paper. If I can get those guys to help out. Sorry, I'm putting y'all to work tonight. Okay, so. Uh, we need to have a meeting, Matt, about you passing out papers, man. <clears throat> okay, so how. I left this part out. I can't believe I left this out, guys, in this chapter. This is. This is really important. So how to handle a situation, or sorry, how to handle a serious accusation against an elder or a leader. Some of you have had to do this before. You've had to handle a serious accusation against a, a leader. We're not talking about, oh, you know, Brandon gossiped. You know, that's, that's one category. There's, here's a different category. So in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul tells Timothy this. Do not, everybody got one before I get going here? You need to see this with your own eyes, right? Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. Let's read it again. Paul is telling Timothy, hey Timothy, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Question for you, why is Paul telling him to initially not to receive an accusation against an elder? You would think like, no, hey man, no, you need to vet it out and like hear it out. And But he says, no, if an individual comes to you and is accusing Brandon of something, don't receive it unless there's two or three witnesses. Why? Because we're not talking about Brandon gossip last Sunday in service. The word accusation, here's the definition, is talking about a criminal charge. It's talking about incrimination of a person. It's talking about I am, I'm stealing funds from the church, right? I'm involved in child pornography, something that is really serious. Not like, man, Brandon, you know, got an argument with his wife and, you know, they had disagreement for a couple of days. We're talking about something that's really, really serious that even could put them in trouble with the law of the land where they could go to jail. Somebody's being hurt. Somebody's being abused. Okay, you guys tracking with me. We're talking more serious issues here. <clears throat> because here's the thing. Here's why Paul, I believe, is telling him don't receive it unless there's witnesses. The devil would love to discredit a leader in the whole church if he could. He'll just send an individual in. No one knows this individual who just came in. Say someone walked in right now. Nobody knows him. And he says, hey, Brandon's stealing money from the church. And he's abusing children. He could, someone could say that right now. Walk in here and say that. And what should you do? Should you be like, oh, man, man I, think, I, think, I think he's right. I, mean, I don't know the guy, but I think he's right. Man, you know, yeah, Brandon has been off. No, Paul's saying, church, don't do that. Maybe you should ask the guy, hey, brother, can you, let's have a conversation and ask him. So do you have the proof? Show, show me the proof. Where's that? I know Brandon. I, I, right? 
he's, I've, hospitality, I've been to his house, I've seen some stuff, and, you know, he's not perfect, but, like, I don't think he's into that stuff. Go over to Deuteronomy 17. So there's a principle in Deuteronomy 17 in talking about um, receiving the testimony of two or three witnesses. There's a principle that is established in Deuteronomy 17 that I believe Paul is thinking about as he's writing this verse in Timothy, in 1 Timothy 5. So Deuteronomy 17, verse 2, he says this, If there is found among you with, within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, a man or woman who has been wicked in the sight of the Lord your God, in trans transgressing his covenant, who has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun, the moon, or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it is told to you, and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently, and if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination has been committed in Israel, then you shall bring out to your gates that man or woman who has committed that wicked thing, and shall stone to death that man or woman with stones. Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. The hands of the witness shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Okay, that doesn't give us license first off to stone or kill a pastor or a leader, okay? We're in the new covenant. Thank God for the new covenant. But did you notice verse 4? Verse 4, if you as a believer in the body of Christ, you're, you're watching... Paying attention, verse 4, and it is told to you, and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently. You should actually do a little bit of research. You should investigate, get some evidence. So if so-and-so comes in and says, Brandon is doing all this stuff wrong, you should just agree with them. You should say, hey, do you have any proof? Show me some evidence. In the same way, social media world, right? You say so-and-so is a false teacher, and I'm going to say, oh, yeah, mate, I don't know. You got proof? We just can't walk around indicting people just because we're like, hey, yeah, they're, they're a false, they're a wolf. No, no, no. We need to get the proof. We need to be men and women of truth. We need the truth, not your feelings and your perspective. And, and I get there's a place for discernment as well. But if you have discernment about an indictment this large, you need discernment and you need to wait for a little bit of evidence. Because if you jump out there just on discernment, guess what? You may be right. And that would be, that would be incredible. But here's the thing. You may be wrong. And think about the damage you've caused to not just the leader, but the reputation of the church of Jesus Christ which we already know is hanging in the balance when it comes to the world. We have to think about not just what has happened to you. Think about the reputation of the church. Lord, I pray that this crazy stuff's not going on. I hope it's not. We need to do a little bit of investigating. So, principles taken from Deuteronomy 17. Okay, we're talking about a serious...
incriminating act from a leader, right? Number one, you shall inquire diligently. Are there witnesses? Is that, that, once again, this is not just gossip. This is big stuff. Number two, guess what you get to do now? Since you found the evidence, you get to go to the leader, have the conversation. It's so much easier just to sit in the back Accuse, 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 write a Facebook post, do all that stuff, and you've never even had the conversation. I mean, that's, that's borderline cowardly. You got the evidence. You see what's going on. You get to go to that leader. There's a gentleman in this body who had to do that. It wasn't with church leaders here or church leaders uh, somewhere else. And they actually did that. They, they got evidence, all this stuff actually went to them. It's like, praise God. Thank you. You get to go to the leader. You bring with you the witnesses, the evidence. And then the third thing, if they don't repent, the leader's like, uh, no, not me. Uh-uh. And the evidence is really clear. Number three, you involve the highest level church leaders so that action can be taken. You know, the heart behind all of this is restoration. It would be amazing if I'm stealing money from the church and I'm abusing children, it would be great if I would actually repent and turn myself in because you actually came to me. We had the conversation and I, I was resisting, I was struggling, and you came and you brought other leaders. And I said, you know what? You're right. God's been dealing with me. I repent to you. I will write a letter to the church. I'm going to step down. I'm going to go to the authorities, tell them what I did. That would, be, that would be the best case scenario. So, there's that. You can staple that to your that little open area there at the bottom. So in closing, as a leadership team, we exhort, encourage you to take initiative with your leaders. And we as leaders will do the same. But don't be a disappearing saint. This is someone who slowly vanishes because they become offended or hurt by leaders while the leaders are left unaware. Guys, I'm telling you, I, to me, it's not church hurt until you have tried Matthew 18. You can't say, Brandon and the church leaders hurt me, I'm offended, and I literally had no idea. Didn't know. I found out, you know, months later, so-and-so left because I said something. I'm like, honestly, there's times I get frustrated with that. I'm like, gosh, how immature are we going to be? Don't, don't do that. I know it takes courage and all of that stuff, but you, if you're going to do that, you can't call it church hurt. 
you got to say, hey, uh, maybe it went church or maybe it was just I, I just wasn't willing to grow up. I wasn't willing to do Matthew 18 and I had to leave. This is too common in the church. Be empowered in the Lord to work through your leadership fears in order to walk in a healthy and functional relationship with the leaders in your life. God has placed them there to be a blessing to you and your family, and God has placed you there to be a blessing to them and their family. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.